You're listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Washington, D.C. office. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beltway Beef. This is Ashley, and today I'm joined by J.J. Gokachia, and J.J. is a rancher um, from North Central Nevada. J.J., we are so happy to have you on the podcast today. Well, thank you for the invite, Ashley. Always good to talk about uh, the issues we're dealing with out here across the landscape. Well, before we dig into what we're going to talk about today, conservation and Biden's proposed 30 by 30 plan, can you just go ahead and start by giving us some background about who you are and and your ranch and your family? You bet. So I'm a fourth generation cattle rancher here in East Central Nevada. Uh, As you said, uh, my great grandfather settled in New York Valley four generations ago. Uh, We've been we were cows and sheep uh, historically and now we're pretty much all cow-calf. Um, I do serve uh, as a county commissioner in Eureka County, Nevada. I did do a short term as the state vet in Nevada. Uh, we got two little girls, my wife and I do. And so, you know, our end goal is to have that fifth generation here on the ranch and continue to do what we've been doing for 100 years. And to have that fifth generation on the ranch, it's really important that you guys are able to stay in business and take care of the land and do those things that will allow uh, your two daughters to be able to take over your operation. And I think that's why conservation in general is such a big priority for not only you, but farmers and ranchers around the country. That's exactly right. You know, I don't think there's any uh, sector that does it better than agriculture and ranchers when it comes to conservation. We know full well that if we're not conserving the land, that we are blessed with raising livestock on or uh, that, that we are actually actually privileged to lease in some cases from federal agencies, then we won't be back. So conservation is definitely the, the main thing that all of us do. You can't just uh, look at it for, for one year. You can't be looking at it surely from a profit standpoint. It's got to be you know, what's next year going to look like? What are the next 10 years going to look like? And if that means cutting back uh, this year or next year and, and doing some things different to ensure that that range is healthy and that our working lands are healthy, then that's what we do. There's only one way you get here for four generations, and that's to do it right. And so at the beginning of the administration, uh, President Biden announced his 30 by 30 plan, also known as his America the Beautiful Initiative. And it was all about conservation. And in the end, his goal is to conserve 30% of America's water and lands by 2030. So before we get into that and and your thoughts and opinions and and feelings on that, let's just talk about the basis here, conservation versus preservation. Can you walk us through what the difference is and then talk about how producers have been actively managing land for generations? You know, conservation means that you're putting that land to work and you're using practices on a daily, weekly, monthly and annual basis that truly conserve the productivity of those working lands. I think a lot of people, when they saw the Biden administration initiative, their first thoughts went to preservation, meaning I'm going to put a line around it and we're not going to have any uses on this. And, and especially in the Western United States, that just simply will not work. We have got to actively be managing these lands day to day, whether it's invasive plants, 
or it's the threat of fire, or in the case of water, you've got to put that water to use. You've got to make sure that those riparians are healthy. You cannot allow those riparian zones to become overgrown uh, to where they no longer serve that function. And then God forbid we do have a fire, which we often do. Uh, that is all lost. And so oftentimes uh, agencies resort back to what is called refugia, meaning I'm going to put a line around it and, and we're just not going to let anything in there. And it's pristine in their minds. But really, there's so little of the American landscape that hasn't been touched by development, by mankind since settlement, that, that really preservation is not where we need to go. It has to be that daily management of conservation to ensure that those working lands do remain working and they will stay that way for the next generation. And because of this, we've been pretty involved in the conversation right off the bat from when that announcement was made NCBA, PLC, farmers and ranchers were at the table in this discussion. And so can you just talk about what our main message to the administration has been you know, in the comments that we just submitted on 30 by 30, but also just in general all along? Sure. So from the beginning, uh, as you say, we've been actively involved and and our staff back there in Washington, D.C. and our volunteer leadership, we were at the table early. With, it, with this administration saying, okay, let us help you figure out exactly what you want to do. Because I don't think originally they really knew what they wanted to do on the 30 by 30 as well. Our message from the beginning has been keep working lands working. If they're working now, they will continue to be working. These lands, in order to conserve them, they, they have got to be working. It's, it's not putting up houses. It's not building interstates. It's not subdivisions. It, it's not small ranchettes that end up being broken up and fractured up to where wildlife can't migrate properly, to where we truly aren't having that deep rooted grass, that very healthy rangeland that is sequestering carbon, that is keeping that separation, the migration corridors open uh, for wildlife in many cases. And so our message from the beginning is grazing is conservation. If it was not conservation, uh, then you wouldn't see these healthy landscapes that are out here today. And we have many federal programs that are already in place and, and we have regulations such, and, and we have acts like the Taylor Grazing Act, the Organic Act uh, at the Forest Service that are already protecting these lands, if you will, and are heavily regulated. Grazing is heavily regulated as it is today, and we will continue to do that and continue to make those lands profitable. And that has been our message from the beginning. Give us the tools, allow us to do this, and we will continue to conserve these landscapes. So, JJ, when we talk about conservation and we talk about the goals that you and, and other ranchers have as far as conservation, we also have to think about the goals that other stakeholders and, and interest groups have in conservation as well. So, you know, there's environmentalist groups, there's um, outdoor recreation groups that all are interested in conservation. But one of the things that we've been talking a lot lately about is how all of these groups who maybe in past years we didn't think could all work together toward one common goal, but how they can all work together and how they can all work to make conservation a top priority. Can you walk us through um, some of the things that PLC and NCBA have been saying in that regard? Sure. PLC and NCBA have been very big supporters of the multiple use mandate forever. And, and we, we completely realize that that is the bedrock of what guides the decisions on our predominantly public lands uh, in the West. So we realize that that, that value there that, that we provide, we provide the water. 
And, and by that, I mean the water that wildlife use, the infrastructure and the water that so many recreationists use. When they come out and they go camping, many of them rely upon those water sources for their camp water. In some cases, they rely on those protected green areas where we have been grazing and have been protecting that. That's where they put their camps. That's where they might set a base camp if they want to go hunting. And, and we have been working very closely with a lot of sportsmen's group and wildlife groups across the West. Take wildlife migration corridors, for example. Those wildlife are coming through actively grazed and, and property grazed rangelands, coming through private property that many of these ranches had. Many cases, they're wintering on this private property that they have. And, and you can ask most sportsmen, where are you going to find that perfect hunting opportunity. And you can ask outdoor recreationists, where do you want to go hunting and camping? What do you want to see? They want to come out here and they want to see these open areas. And we are the ones that are providing these open areas. We're making that working land available to everyone. And we're making sure that it's protected A, from development, B, from fire, C, from uh, invasive species that no longer keep that, whether it's cheatgrass, pinion juniper, whatever the case might be, it starts right here. And that's why PLC and NCBA have been such a strong voice in that from the beginning. JJ, I think you bring up some really good points there. And I think you illustrated really well how multifaceted this issue is. That's exactly it. And, and I go back to what I said uh, earlier on in our conversation. You know, if it was strictly about well, we're, we're just here for ranching and we're just here uh, for the financial benefits of that, then we would not see these landscapes in the condition that they're in and how healthy they are and vibrant they are. And, and, and the reason that everybody comes here again is because what we have been doing and what we do on a daily basis. And, and it's the same thing with water. Uh, th these water resources are very precious across the West and, and we're going to do everything we can to protect those. And we do, and we put developments in and we disperse livestock and by dispersing livestock, we disperse those other uses, whether it's wildlife, whether it's wild horses, uh, whether it are, is some of those recreationists, you don't want everybody just on one little source. So this is for the better good of everyone. And we understand that. And that's what we strive to do. Great. Well, now that comments have been submitted, what are the next steps here? Well, I guess we will all kind of anxiously wait to see uh, how they go through the comments on this atlas. Uh, obviously, there are going to be some other groups that probably feel differently and, and feel that maybe that preservation is the way they want to go, or I'm going to call it perceived preservation because that, that's the worst thing we could do. So let's see what the administration does, but I can promise you uh, the NCBA and PLC are going to remain at the table. We will continue to be there and have the conversation with the agencies, with our elected officials uh, in Washington, D.C., as we start to see this framework unfold and exactly where they want to go. Uh, submitting the comments was the first step. We all need to stay engaged. You need to stay engaged with your elected officials, your senators and your congressmen and women to let them know that we are focused on this. And this is definitely something we care deeply about. Uh, if we didn't, um, then again, we wouldn't be here for multi multiple generations. So we need the strong leadership of NCBA and PLC uh, to continue to, to go forward on this. And we will stay at that table for as long as it takes to make sure that our message is one that gets across the finish line. Well, JJ, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I know that you came inside after working all morning and, and hopped right on the phone with me to talk about this really important issue. So thank you so much for all the work that you do. Um, and, and we really just appreciate you taking the time today. This has been another episode of Beltway Beef. 
Don't forget to check us out online at policy.ncba.org or catch the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, including SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.